Discord. All right. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to another conversation at the Bitcoin Stoa. As a reminder, this is a community-funded project, so if you enjoy listening, you can support our work by sending some sats to the QR code on our website at bitcoinstoa.com, or you can stream sats using a Bitcoin wallet that has a podcast feature. I use the Breeze wallet right now and find it to be a pretty good experience. Uh, current Moscow time is 25.67 at 7.33.961. And with that said, it's my honor to welcome a human who goes by Shishi on Twitter to have a conversation about air-gapped Bitcoin computers, aka ABCs, which many currently know as hardware wallets. And we're going to talk about farming as well. So Shishi, welcome to the STOA. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having well, me on. Thanks for being here. I'm always very appreciative of people who offer their time. Bitcoin is very generous and uh, I'm excited to hear your perspective on ABCs and farming. Um, I came across you on Twitter and couldn't help be curious to learn more about your perspective on the term air-gapped Bitcoin computer and maybe unpack that a bit for the uninitiated who might not know what that means um, and why it's a good, why it's an appropriate replacement for the legacy term hardware wallet. So we'll dig into all that. Um, and you also write in your Twitter bio that you're, you're a no-till permaculture farmer on two acres. So I'd love to chat yes. about farming for the second half. And, uh, before we get into all that good stuff, why don't we start with your Bitcoin story? So, you know, when and how Bitcoin came across your life path and maybe some of the few, a few of the more significant moments that, um, led us to where you are today. And you can tell it as short or as long form as you want. I'm curious. It's all yours. Yeah. So I'll give you the. A quick the like i'll take you all the way back but i'll do it quickly um Powerful. when i was younger i was uh i had i was like a closet nerd but also like a jock you know so i wouldn't really have anyone to share any of these things with uh whether it be gaming or you know how many hours i play counter-strike or whatever right but you're on these forums back in the day and um i forgot the name of this one but you know you're on the forums looking for people to play with looking to see what games people are playing and i come across bitcoin and i'm like all right like let me see if i could mine some bitcoin from my gaming pc and like you know i take my pen my pen and paper out and uh, i start doing the math and i'm like oh like i'm not going to leave my super expensive gaming pc that i got for like my birthday on all the time like it's not worth it <laughs> right <laughs> definitely was worth it um, <laughs> there you but go. it's like one of those things you know you're really young like no there's no you know podcast six 17 hours of podcasts to listen to there's no books there's no nothing there's just the word bitcoin and the word mining and and how you can get this like uh, internet currency f like with your computer you know so these are early days like when would you put this in terms of uh timestamp? Yeah, 2011 2010 2011 okay cool uh and then, yeah, I just like forgot about it. I was just like, all right, like, you know, I'm, I was pretty young at the time. And then I never stopped looking up the price of Bitcoin though. And then I realized there was like other coins and I just kept looking like every few months, I would just like type in the word Bitcoin and the word price, you know? Yeah. And then in like, I, and I always had like no money or anything like that, you know? And then, um, so it was more curiosity. Like you didn't have any skin in the game at this point no 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 and there wasn't like an easy way to do it right like outside of mining so like there wasn't like oh yeah just here's like 50 right. exchanges to go choose from like it was like you mine or or you don't you yeah. know and there wasn't like a good way to sell it either it was like on forums you know it's like all right like 
you know, and like I'm young with no money. It's <laughs> it's always like this, just a situation, right? So fast Dude, forward. Imagine in, how much Bitcoin <laughs> changed hands on forum back in the forums back in the day. Like a what lot it was even priced or when it was like two cents, like billions of dollars were exchanged on forums, probably. <laughs> Dude, definitely. Like 100 percent happened. Um but yeah, so basically, you know, I just like fast forward to college. I'm sitting with like uh uh I forgot his name. Uh could it be Tommy Lee, the the Asian guy with glasses that always Bobby does Lee. like Bobby, Bobby Lee. He, no, no, not uh I don't think it was Bobby Lee. Whatever, I don't know. So basically some guy comes on Bloomberg all the time and gives like super bullish price predictions. Like, you know, okay. I think the price of Bitcoin was like 30 bucks and he's saying that it's gonna go to five hundred K. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he's saying it's gonna go to fifteen five hundred K. And I was like, all right, like you know, and like I have like my last thousand bucks on me and I'm like, look, I'm going to buy food instead of Bitcoin. Like clearly fair. I was short Bitcoin. Not fair, not fair. And, <laughs> and uh, they, these are just like the big moments that I remember, you know, and then fast forward to 2017 and I was like, all right, like, you know, all the ICO stuff, like all, all the Ethereum nonsense, like I look into all of it. Um I take my steps into the shit coins. I take my steps into, into everything basically. Right. Just trying to figure all this shit out. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there wasn't the same amount of content that there was now. And like the person that I was relying on content was uh, Mr. Antonopoulos, you know, same. And, yeah. He and, was, he was an OG back in the day. Like he did so much for early adoption. I mean, people shit on him because he wrote a book on Ethereum, but like, I don't really give a fuck about that. All I care about is that dude gave me a world of knowledge through his books and through his videos. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. So that's the book that was handed to me though. Mastering Ethereum. <laughs> gotcha. So, but I also like, I'm the type of guy to like not just pick up one book. So I bought like a bunch of other books. Interesting enough. Like I, I bought like, in I bought like a bunch of uh, just like published books. And one of them was like uh, the Princeton's book on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, you know? Hmm. And again, this is like 2017. So there isn't like, you know, you don't have like 21 lessons and like all the shit you have the Bitcoin standard, you know, but uh, it wasn't as popularized as it is now either. Like, I think he had just put it out like that year. Hmm. Um, or the year before or something like that yeah there and, wasn't uh, like the massive sea of education in the space like there is now like now there's whatever way you learn best there's like 10 different ways it can be delivered if you're resourceful and um yeah people forget that that was that has not that's pretty recent in in the grand scheme of things yeah yeah but i also like love that that's how i like started reading about it because i learned also like it, i think that's the only reason why i became like a maximalist because i also understood how ethereum works i understood how bitcoin works and then because like those books were more like also giving you like some technical aspects of how these things work you know right and so um that bogged me down in time but at least it like bettered my understanding you know and then uh 2018 bear market rolls around and i still don't have that much time to pour into this stuff anymore so I like move on a little bit, but like I stacked like, you know, throughout the bear market in like market chunks, you know, like I wasn't yeah. DCAing or anything like that. So I just would buy like anytime I had some extra funds, like that's where I was saving my emergency funds, you know. Cool. Um, but I wasn't on Twitter so much. I wasn't like on any of those things. So um, but like as time went, I just kept on like kept reading about Bitcoin only, you know, and kept listening to like some podcasts here and there. And yeah, dude, it just, it just so happens to be that also my friends that uh, got into all this stuff 
that this like you know before me or after me whatever but like we're all in this into like bitcoin together essentially we're all like they're maximalists they're you know so you know i i would say that i'm pretty lucky that that's how we all ended up you know so it's like me bit vault right nico uh Wynikus, um and uh and and a couple others that just like uh you know, they're maximalists. Like Wynikus was the first person that was just like no shit coins <laughs> that I knew, you know, cool. and Nico too, you know, so it's just like, it, it just depends who you surround yourself with too in this journey. But yeah, that's basically my journey, dude. You know, like powerful bear, yeah, bear market 2018 is when I really like jumped in, you know, dope. it helps to have a crew of, um, like you said, the people you surround yourself with make a massive difference in shaping who you become, your ideas, your thoughts, your beliefs, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's one thing I wish I had more. I wish I would have discovered Bitcoin Twitter earlier because, you know, I didn't really have any. I had friends that like had heard of Bitcoin, maybe had a little bit of it, but I, I didn't have anyone that I could have like the intense conversations with or would push me to learn more right like when someone talks about bitcoin to a level that i'm not on i'm like shit i got a lot to learn and it kind of pushes you and eggs you on and i think there's like this compounding effect if you have a group of people who are all really into it and are, are, are maximalists in that they know that bitcoin is the only one that actually matters and the roi on time invested learning about bitcoin is higher than anything else you can learn about in the space um so yeah very cool and then so today you remain, uh, I assume a maximalist and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's almost like the more you learn about Bitcoin, the more conviction you get to just stack and be immune to price wavering. In fact, I actually like lower price because I'm like, these are cheap sats aren't going to be around forever. So, you know, that exactly. mindset shift, I think is, I think is big and only the people who have been in it for, you know, maybe a cycle really understand, um, the fact that like price is getting sucked into the price is a distraction right other than buying more when it's low but uh it takes time to let that kind of simmer like you can't just you can't learn that by mouth you have to learn it by experience and being in it i don't know if what, what's your take on that yeah i mean so like this is what really got me Wynikus goes i'm never selling my bitcoin uh like ever like i'm i want to die with my bitcoin that's what he said to me Cool. And imagine at this point, like I'm, I, I'm not on Twitter. Like I don't know any of the memes, nothing, you know. And so I'm like, just basically like deciding like that I'm like gonna keep moving my funds into Bitcoin only, you know. And I'm just like, dude, you're wild, like you're crazy. And now I'm like, I'm never selling. I'm gonna die with my, <laughs> you know. So it's like, uh, cause I didn't understand. Like I was like, what do you mean you're never gonna sell? Because like. I'm like, where are you going to spend your Bitcoin? Right. And it's like, he's like, oh, that, that isn't developed yet. And I was like, and I was like, okay, that's like the opportunity. Right. Um, but it was just like, you know, you're going to die with your Bitcoin. That's, that's something that the maximalists like, uh, that's, that's something that you need in like changing the money. You need it to be like religious, like, like you need it to be like extreme, you know, you're not yeah. going to, you're not going to change the world by being sitting in a circle, listening to everybody's perspective a hundred times over. No, you're, you're going to listen to everybody's perspective a couple of times. And then you're going to be like, all right, like this is the shit we need to do. And then we need to stop talking about it and start doing it, you know? And that's yeah. why like, you know, I hate talking about how like Bitcoin needs innovation. Like I actually despise that conversation, which we can move on to if you want, but basically like, it's just a fucking terrible conversation. Bitcoin doesn't need innovation. It needs people who are going to accept and transact in it. You know what I mean? So it's like, it needs education. 
you know, not innovation. Like we don't need it to change much. We just need the education to keep expanding its footprint, you know? Right. Yeah. Like the thing is done. It's cooked. We just need more people to understand what it is and how it can solve their problems. And obviously there will be, I mean, innovation is happening on, on layer two and eventually layer three and four it's, it's happening because it's in the best interest of every company, every family, every nation to plug into Bitcoin in whatever way that makes sense for them. But yeah, I agree. It's like people who say Bitcoin needs innovation clearly don't understand. They're usually the crypto people. That's usually an attack vector from crypto that gets said to shit talk Bitcoin in, in my experience. And um, it's really easy to see through that. It, or, or it's just someone who hasn't done the work yet, right? Who hasn't actually taken the time to truly understand uh, what Bitcoin is, why it doesn't need to uh, evolve. Like the granite doesn't need to evolve. It needs to be built on. And uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about terminology because I think with Bitcoin, Bitcoin's a tricky thing, right? Like we, this new thing came into the world. It's unlike anything else. It's a revolution on so many different levels. And so terminology, when something brand new comes out, in terms of terminology, it helps to use uh, principles of skeuomorphism, right? Like naming something um, after what they resemble in the real world, right? Like a wallet is, people know the term wallet because it's where they keep their money in their pocket. So, you know, initially the way you hold your Bitcoin, calling it a wallet might be helpful to kind of bridge the chasm, right? Of like, okay, well, we got to call this something that people already recognize. So, so using a skeuomorphic term helps, but I think that eventually it's an endpoint where it's no longer useful and actually can become counterproductive. So, you know, what's your take on the importance of terminology in Bitcoin, like how we name things, um, how those names need, need to sometimes change over time? Like, you know, do you think the terms we currently have in Bitcoin are good? And yeah, I'd just love to hear your thoughts on terminology. And then we'll talk about what an a and then we'll talk about ABCs because I think, um, yeah, I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think when you have um, something that's super important to you, right? Um, let's say, I don't know, like, let's, let's take Bitcoin out of the equation, right? Let's say you have gold in your house, right? And you want, and you want to store your gold, right? You're, you're really thinking about the actual methods to store it, right? I'm going to buy a safe, right? There's like words for the things that you're going to buy that you don't have to question what the words are, Right. right. Like, cause it's, it's just so like already ingrained in your, in your, uh, I guess in, in your, your mind stream. Yeah, yeah. In your lexicon. Exactly. And, uh, it's just one of these new things that sometimes like we could just use the same terms again. Right. And we kind of do, you see like people saying, Oh, like, like, you know, people who keep their coins on exchange, you know, they got got by Coinbase's like vault term. Oh, no, no, I have my Bitcoin in a vault. It's like, no, 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 <laughs> right. you have it in Coinbase's vault. They just like got you with this term, right? Yeah. And so, and then you have like the things that, uh you know, co companies name themselves, right? Like Ledger, like what a terrible fucking name, you know? <laughs> Obviously, I don't recommend that product at all. Like, it's closed source. Like I, I, they had a data leak in their servers. They don't delete their customers' information. They clearly sell their customers' information. I do not, you know, condone that. But just think about how dumb the names are. Like Trezor. Like what the fuck is a Trezor? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, and then, you know, you keep going, and you're like, all right, like they're gonna just keep naming their brands, whatever they want to name their brands. But then when you go to, like, read about what they do, it's 
it's fucking confusing for anybody that's not like already kind of grokking Bitcoin, right? Anyone right. who's already like sort of like, all right, like I need to store my private keys. I understand what private keys are. And like, I'm just choosing between which is the best option for me. That's different than somebody who's just like, hey, what the fuck is a hardware wallet? Right. Because that's what they name themselves. Right. And we only have a few successful uh, renditions of a quote unquote hardware wallet. Right. So they really got to like name the term because like how many options did we really have that were good Two, like, yeah, not you know, many. so, you know, Seems um, to be less, less as time goes on, right? Like you, you end up seeing things like the ledger leak or the treasure issue. And it's like all these guys, all these companies essentially get knocked off the pedestal of like a worthy product and only the really oh, hardcore yeah. companies that were created by OG Bitcoiners, Bitcoin only seem to be surviving. But at the end, I don't know if it was your quote or someone else's, but I, I think it was yours where you said, you don't need Bitcoin hardware companies. They need you. I think that says yeah. it all. Yeah, because, that was me. Yeah, that's that's a powerful one. Well, yeah. And you know, that's the thing. The The thing that really bothered me was that uh, like the, the company that I'd put all my weight behind, which is what most people were doing because it was the only option, which was the cold cart, right? And I thought they also had like the, one of the better names, you know, cause like you have cold storage in there, you know, it's like a cold card, like it made sense to me. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then I also saw that they were free and open source, which they're not anymore. Like you said, like the pool that I have to choose from has only shrunk, including the cold card. Like I won't use it. I won't buy it. I won't, I won't send them another cent of my business or anybody else around me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that there's a technological future that we can shape, you know? And so I believe that free and open source software is the only way forward for us as Bitcoiners. Like we can't, we can't afford to move away from that over a long period, you know? Right. Um, and that's funny. I, that, work, I work in health and the company that I work for um, is starting to adopt the same mindset where like free and open source software is literally the path forward for humanity. And really if, if health is, if health is really just understanding how to take care of yourself, then there should be free and open source software that anyone can read, which is software that people can upload on their hardware. And it's just funny how like I'm seeing free and open source software as a solution to so many problems in the world in disparate realms, all stemming from the fact that Bitcoiners won't stop talking about it and unpacking what that means and why it's important. And it's just like, I, I couldn't agree more. And it, it really is fueled by the Bitcoin ethos of like, you know, verify, don't trust. And free and open source is the way that we that we get there and the way that we mitigate collective risk, because there's so many people that have the same interests, keep our shit secure. In order to do that, you have to understand what software are you using to do that. And if you can't see it, then you can't know. You're just blindly sort of trusting that you're in good hands. And and even if you are in, in good hands, those people have good intentions, they can still get hacked. They can still get screwed over. They can still make mistakes. And it's the price of those mistakes becomes too expensive once you have your life life's energy in Bitcoin. And um, yeah, like out of curiosity, what, what um, devices are still on your recommended list? Like seed signer, I assume? Yeah, seed signer for sure. I mean, that's what I, that's what I use, you know? Okay, um, cool. But just in general, um, I believe that the reason why free and open source software is like the mode is because we need innovation there. So like where Bitcoin like Bitcoiners want innovation is not 
technically it's not necessarily on the protocol. Obviously, Taproot was super necessary for anyone using multi-sig. You know, they're excited, you know, myself included, super excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that like, you know, increases the fungibility of a multi-sig, which before you could actually tell if someone was sending funds from a multi-sig, right? And um I just think in general, or easier to tell because they'll still be able to tell if they really understand the fees structure and all that stuff probably, but they would have to be super, super, like it would, it would be really hard. You would have to send from the same address, like a few times. Like, I don't know. It would be difficult, but basically like the innovation move in the right direction, I guess we could say, oh, it's the great move. It's a huge move for us, you know, for anyone using multi-sig and anyone not either, because like if you transact to someone using multi-sig, for example, so, um, I think that free and open source software is what like begets innovation for us. And it also begets security because, you know, on a free and open source project, you know, you have a lot more volunteership going on, you know? Yeah. And when, you know, even though, even though like, you know, cold card has their code like viewable, like they're willing to use the state's violence against another Bitcoin company, regardless if, you know, cause, and I think, I think that when we go to support people, like and companies especially we forget there's people behind there that we're supporting you know and that we can actually put pressure where it's needed to keep it free and open source but what i see on bitcoin twitter nowadays is different than probably what was going on a few years before because people are more interested in jameson lops hiring practices for casa than than holding nvk accountable to keep it free and open source right so, I, I mean, the ethos either went down the rabbit hole or you didn't. And like, I don't see so many people that care enough about, about free and open source software in that sense, you know? Um, I don't think people, the majority of people just don't understand the importance of, you know, and probably myself included, although I'm trying to work towards it. Most people don't understand the space enough in, in a, enough detail with it, enough, um, I guess, obsession to really want to dig into the nitty gritty to really have a say with open source and know that that is, that is like, you know, people, this is a guess, but I would guess that most people using a coal card have no idea the code behind it. They're just like, this is what I'm told by influencers is a good device um, to store my Bitcoin. So I'm going to use it. And so, you know, that huge pool of people have no interest in pressuring companies to keep things free and open source because they don't even know what that is or how it affects them. And I think it's just an, it's an education thing, right? We all have to level up our understanding and, and prioritize so that we can avoid getting distraction, getting distracted with Jameson Lopp's hiring practices and focus on what actually matters. Cause focusing our energy yes. is how we're going to make, is how we're going to get shit done and get it done well. Yeah. So. But think about this really quick about this stuff. You said something really great. Like, Oh, like he first built the market share and then moved away from FOSS. So he used FOSS to build the market share. Right. And he used other people's code, but as small of a snippet that he used, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the idea is that we're going to benefit off of each other. And like the idea is that we're going to support companies that have our values that, that have a good reputation. Like he, there's no need, like you, my problem with the move was that he already had won and was winning with record sales with fought it being fought record sales by his own admission not my words, you know? Mm. So it just, and then, you know, in person, I had a conversation about this with him. And, uh, you know, another device I think is interesting is the device that basically like pushed him to take 
a cold card away from FOSS, which is foundation devices, you know? And I think that was an interesting case study. Like they just used the free and open source code, the best code that it was available to them. Good for them. That shows a sign of like respect too, you know? Right. And, uh, and I think like uh, he's not willing to, yeah. And he's not willing to budge until uh, they go out of business, quote unquote. So mm. moving on from that, you know, I think like, uh, yeah, like, you know, let's talk about air gap Bitcoin computers and like why I think that's a better term than signing device, because he is pushing that right now. Bitcoin yes. signing device, right? Yes. And out of curiosity, actually, maybe we'll talk about this after. I just got the Blockstream Jade. I'm kind of dem I'm just like testing it and seeing what the user interface is like. Um, and I believe that one is open source. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm a fan of it so far, but let's chat about air gap Bitcoin computers. And then maybe we can plug the, the Jade into context after having that conversation. So, before we get into, because I noticed that I saw a tweet this morning by MVK talking about um, signing device and how they're changing their website and, you know, like they're going hard on that. They're making a full commitment to that. And so let's let's rewind a little bit. So let's break down the term air gapped Bitcoin computer and take each word individually. So let's start with what does air gapped mean and come at this from the perspective that someone uh, is just about to go. Let's let's pick our target as someone who has their sats on an exchange, just realized how vulnerable that makes them, wants to go to their own cold storage and is now starting the process of learning. So for someone that doesn't know what any of these terms mean, what does air gap mean and why is that important in this context? So I think like, it's interesting. I, I, I came up with this just like one day, like just for fun. Um, and I think, um, all these terms and what you use is a total grassroots movement. I don't think a company can actually like force anyone to say anything, you know, regardless of what they put on their website. I think yep. it's always going to be this sort of like grassroots type of idea and everyone is going to use whatever nomenclature, like they see best fit and the one that they've had the best results with when they go talk to somebody. So I actually think the word air gap should be spoken of last because most people, they're going to say Bitcoin computer, right? Okay. Like, so, and so like Bitcoin computer for me just means that you're using a computer, right? Regardless of how small it is. Okay. To do things with Bitcoin, because right. look, most people who use Bitcoin are using Bitcoin to store their wealth. They're not, most people aren't going to be mining most people, right? The majority of people, Agreed. right? At least not in the near term. And so, because no, we're already familiar with computer, right? It's an electronic device that stores and processes data. And by by putting the word Bitcoin in there, I think one really important thing that that does is it makes it extremely obvious that this is Bitcoin only, right? You look at some of these hardware like devices that are out there and there's like a billion coins that you can store on there, right? The idea of a Bitcoin computer is an electronic device, regardless of size and shape, that is used for Bitcoin. And I think yes. that that is so obvious and so for, for everything Bitcoin, right? For everything yes. Bitcoin, like right. you don't need anything else, but one of those things, right? That's yeah. how it should, that's how it should be framed. And okay. then that one of the features that you should look for is that it's air gapped, right? So it's an air gapped Bitcoin computer is like the pinnacle of that, right? But yes. if you use a ledger, it's not, it's not air gapped, it's USB, right? Mm. So what does so air gap mean? So, so air gapped is exactly how it sounds, right? There's no connection to any internet connected device, right? So you have a device that will never be connected to another internet connected device. 
it'll only pass information between an internet connected device and the Bitcoin computer itself, which is air gapped, right? And so it'll pass that information using simple text, whether that be through an SD card with a text file on it or uh, a QR code that gets passed back and forth, right? So there's a QR code on your air gapped Bitcoin computer that's passing information to your computer's webcam, which is internet connected, but again, it's just plain text. And um, most people really don't understand the word. They won't understand why it's so important, right? Until they generate their seed and they realize like all their funds are, uh, <laughs> are basically privy to this 24 word uh, set of 24 words, right? So you have yeah. the situation where you're guarding these 24 words literally with your life right? Yes. If you have, if you have enough of your wealth in there. Right. And, um, and I think that shows you like, okay, like air gapped is a security feature. And then when you go to use it, right. You're like, wait, but like, how do I know that the QR code or the SD card doesn't have anything malicious on it? Right. And that's like the step that's the hardest to understand. I think about Bitcoin. I think that's literally the heart, even for Bitcoiners, you know, it's that yep. step that is like super fucking hard to understand because digital signatures, I think in general, are one of those like crazy things that we have to our disposal that like works, you know? And it works because, you know, you know, I don't want to get into it so much, but ECDSA is just like a great model of math that works, you know? So mm. that's the way that digital signatures are created and like doing it in a non-internet connected way gives you the best possibility to like, keep your funds safe, including the transaction that you're sending. So, yeah, I got two things there. I guess air gapped, I guess we got to be careful now with NFC, right? Because technically, if your device is not hard connected to an internet device, but is connected via NFC, would that be considered a non, that's not air gapped, correct? So, I mean, NFC is a, is a weird thing. Like, why do I have to, ha why would I want NFC on my Bitcoin computer? Like, right. where am I? Where am I checking out with NFC? I'm not, I'm not, my computer doesn't use NFC. I'm not passing PSBT information through NFC. And also like in general, the whole idea of, you know, these, these Bitcoin computers, these Bitcoin devices, whatever you want to call it, just use the word Bitcoin if it's Bitcoin only, right? Like if we're Bitcoin maximalists, like we don't want to use the word hardware wallet because right. shitcoiners have hardware wallets too. We want exactly. to use Bitcoin something with the word Bitcoin in it because it's Bitcoin yep. only, right? And so that's where NVK probably saw like the conversations of Seed Signer and, and us and everyone who's talking about this stuff and was like, oh yeah, like I should rebrand this to Bitcoin signing face. And uh, it's smart. Don't get me wrong. You use the word Bitcoin like and you're a Bitcoin only company. Like it's just the smart thing to do. Yep. And I just think um, to get back on track to your question is basically when you have this experience with bitcoin for the first time do you want you need to be able to review the text right so like the actual text that you're passing back and forth it's it's audible you can take the sd card and put it in a few computers if you want to see that the text is the same before right. passing it over to your hardware wallet right and so in nfc in the nfc situation like you're not really going to be viewing it on a secondary device like the information like right it just there's it goes one way it, it, you just pass the information back and forth and i don't really know how you know i know you brought that up because cold card um added nfc capability to their new 
MK4 model. And I have the same thought, like, well, that's a waste. And you could have put a QR scanner on it instead of this garbage NFC stuff. And then the QR scanner actually has like a use case above and beyond the SD card or the NFC, right? Like, so yeah, yeah the confusing new to wallet, say the least. Block's new wallet that they're going to come out with. Um, and also the, the blockstream Jade both use NFC to basically, from what I understand, it's basically, a def it allows it to communicate with your mobile device. So you de facto have two signatures that are required, one from the external device, one from your mobile device. But if we're talking about straight up cold storage, putting your life savings and in something into the, in the safest way possible, from what I understand is your AirGap Bitcoin computer is a device that generates um, a secret. That secret is what holds all of your wealth. That secret is what you have to use as a signature to, to send a transaction. Is that, would that be correct? That... Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you receive an air, air gap Bitcoin computer, uh, in the mail or the parts in the mail, right? Seed signer, you can, you build yourself from generic parts. So yep. you don't have to worry about, you know, a prepackaged device being tampered with. Um, but you know, you receive it and you turn it on. And you use it to help generate your, like you said, your secret, your 24 word seed phrase. Now, do you have to um, load Bitcoin core onto that device? Like you get the device, it's blank. It's just literally just hardware components. How does yeah. that device gain the intelligence to create um, a, a, a private seed for you? So, you know, you, you get the, all the hardware, you put it together, you take an SD card, you pop it into your computer, you download a the seed signer, a seed signer release that you're comfortable with. It doesn't have to be the latest release. Like I don't run the latest seed signer software on my main device. You know, um, I also always, when people buy a seed signer, I always recommend that eventually they get two of them. Um, but basically you get the device, you put it together, you take an SD card, you put this, you flash the software onto the SD card, pop the SD card into the device and you're rolling. Um, cool. It's on, it's on and rolling. And then, Basically, how I generate my seeds are, is I pick out of, you know, BIP39 is what we're talking about when we say seed, right? It's BIP39 seed words, right? Yep. And so there's a set of 2,048 words that we're choosing from. It's That's the set, right? So I actually sat there and cut up every single word, put it in a jar, and started picking them out randomly, right? Hmm. And how you randomize that is up to you, but, you know, it's it's very hard to to do it wrong, it's very hard when you when you have the physical set of words, but you only choose the first 23 words. The 24th word is generated on one of these devices. So you can generate the whole seed on the device or you can generate just the last word. Right. And so that's what I do. I generate just the 24th word, which is an option on the seed signer. It's an option on the cold card as well. It's an option on a few of these devices. Right. Um, so it will spit so, out 23 words based on the software, which I assume is no, no, you will, no, no, you will choose 23 words from the physical BIP39 word list that you printed out and cut out over however many hours it took you. And gotcha. then you'll, and then you'll pull out like a, a jar, 23 words, for example, that's how I do it. Everyone okay. has their way of, of, of doing it. You know, um, yep. I do that cause it's, it's just a piece of paper, right. That I've verified. I verified the whole text document. It's not hard. You know, you right. number the words. And then you just check it across a few set, you know, BIP39 word list uh, sets that are living on the internet, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. um, you just pick the words out, 23 words, right, at random. And then you pop those into the seed signer and the seed signer spits out the 24th word and validates the seed and then spits out the 
public keys for you that are associated with your private key, which is encrypted with your 24 words, right? Like you don't actually know your private key, you know, the encrypted password to your private key essentially. Right. right. And so <clears throat> when, when, when your uh, public keys are set up, you can then, you know, export that to a wallet coordinator on your computer, right. Or on your phone. And I think the NFC is, is targeted at the phone users, right? So mm -hmm. they want to take their blue wallet or whatever, whatever wallet. I don't know what's, I don't use mobile wallets like that for like any, like, I, I don't just, I don't use it for that stuff, you know? Right. Um, but I assume that that's like their, their target market is people who are like smartphone only, like they don't want to deal with the, the laptop and all that shit. And it's smart. Like they're, you know, they're selling devices at the end of the day. Right. Right. And so not every feature, like we need to be you, like, I don't, I don't have the same needs as you maybe. Right. It just depends how our lives are set up. Right. And so like, that's why, like, it bothers me that like, we have a shrinking pool of, of options. Like you say, I think we have a growing pool of options, not shrinking, you know, even though it has shrunk here and there, it's, it's still growing in my opinion. Right. Um, even if those options are shit, it doesn't matter. Cause like, that's a good thing. Like, and then the um, need is to be able to refine down, okay, out of this growing pool of options, which ones are actually suitable based on your needs, right? Like the average person who has 200 bucks, um, in Bitcoin and just wants to get used to using a device, maybe they don't need, um, to, you know, cut up the words and go the seed signer route. But I think if that person's conviction builds, they buy more, a higher percentage of their wealth is in Bitcoin. They need to upgrade their strategy in terms of securing that secret. And then that's where, you know, it's like, a continuum right like we all started somewhere uh we all get to somewhere depending on our our conviction and the end point you know i always like to know what the end points are i know what the first end point is you just get any crappy you know you get a ledger and you play with it that's start one and then you kind of realize okay well that's no longer the best option i like to know the other end point because even if i'm not there right now i know what to work towards right like well like i want to know the gold standard for how to custody $10 million of Bitcoin so that I know where my lighthouse is for where I want to move towards. And every single time I take, you know, a couple hours to refresh my brain or learn or better understand devices, I know that's the direction I'm going to go in. I might not be there right now, but I think it's really important to know because it builds context of, of that continuum um, so that people can kind of navigate it. Right. Like that's uh, hell. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So I actually think the beginning stage for somebody with 200 bucks of Bitcoin should never be a ledger, right? Because yeah. it won't take them past that point. Gotcha. So most people get stuck on the ledger actually. Uh, and that's why they have a good business. <laughs> right. And so, um, and that was their whole like concept. And so I think seed signer has the best for somebody who's just starting, like a uh, idea to like generate your seed is very simple. There's a QR scanner. And Keith Mukai wrote a piece of code to have to make the ability of the QR scanner to take a picture and make that picture the randomness to generate your seat because it, it uses every pixel on the screen. So wow. so it's cool. definitely like and, and, and he showed me the piece of code and I asked him to break it down a little bit for me. And uh, I, I told him he needs to go on some podcasts and break that feature down because it's so it's, it's proprietary and unique to seed signer. But when you need to generate a seed. You can either roll a hundred dice, right? They have that option too, just like on the cold card, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can trust the device, right? Or you can just take a quick QR selfie of you and your dog, just like Keith did. And like, no one's going to be able to recreate those pixels. You're not even going to be able to recreate those pixels. Right. You can test it out yourself. You can take the first selfie, take write down the 24 words that it spit out, 
and do it again and do it again and do it again and do it again. You will never get the same result. And so that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So like, I think that's the best place to start because you can test out the seeds randomness right there. You just keep generating seeds. Yeah. You right? can verify. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, if you wanted to test out multi-sig, it can hold unlimited number of seeds now, I think like before it could only hold three at a time, which is still th two more than what any other device could do. Right. Mm -hmm. Every other device, you have to like wipe the device and recover it. You know what I mean? So you could actually like for a like the, the device was purpose built for multi-sig, right. To make it easier. And so when he worked back to single sig, it just works super easily. The single sig as well. It's the same thing that you're used to, right. You have a, you have a single sig, uh, with a passphrase or whatever you, however you want to set it up, it's just all there. And so you have the most amount of options with the seed signer. It's the most flexible. And let's say you got to $10 million, right? And you said, look, like, I like the idea of a DIY device because I'm scared to buy a device that's going to hold my funds that, you know, I was prepackaged. Right. I don't want to trust anyone, basically. Yeah. Or, or you can't, right? Like, you're actually, like, you can't. You're, like, you're taking the risk of, of you're taking too much like a personal risk forget like your coins being safe or not right, right. um and let's say you want to stick with the seed signer okay well there's so many options now to keep your funds safe because you can now you know test out different multi-sig schemes really easily because they also have this feature where you can scan in a seed qr so you can make a qr of your seed that you made yourself and scan it in so you don't have to type in the 24 words all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And this creates a more usable security framework to test things. And testing things is what makes things secure, right? It's not that you did it right and didn't test it. That's crazy, you know? And a lot of these ledger people, they just like write down the 24 words and send all their funds to there. They don't test it back and forth. I'm telling you, like <laughs> I have a lot of friends who, who bought ledgers. Like they did not yeah. test it, you know? <laughs> so I think cool. that when you, when you go from the beginning to the end, you can, you can go with like a multi-vendor multi-stick. You just have to be careful. Like those things have complexity that go beyond like just the basics, you know? And I think like sometimes Bitcoiners, they, they shoot for perfect instead of really good. And I think that sometimes it's an enemy of, you know, innovation and like taking you, your, you know, in Bitcoin, you got to innovate your own security all the time. True. Right. You got to audit yourself. There's if you, if somebody else is auditing you, that's a risk. So you're like, Hey, how do I get to the top situation where you definitely want to be using something air gapped? You definitely want to be using something that is definitely verifiable. And like most people aren't verifying the source code of anything, let alone a cold card that they would need a separate air gap computer to deal with. And like, you know, all that stuff. Right. So when yeah. I say separate air gap computer, I mean like they need a second device to verify the cold card itself. Right. And uh, I think with, with seed signer, something interesting, something interesting with anything that's DIY like that is you can make your whole multi-sig. I'm telling you, you know, you asked me the $10 million scheme, let's say yeah. you're going to use seed signer only for the $10 million scheme. I wouldn't 100% recommend that right now yet, but let's just say you were okay. Because I, I probably still would. Um, well, I would create the multi-sig. I would test it out, send all my funds there. And then I would actually, you know, then I would disperse the, the seeds geographically, right? And let's say it was a three of five, for example. So I would put them in five different locations or at least three different locations. 
and um and i would dissolve the acetone in acid and then i would have another one that has never been used and for the price you can get two seat signers basically for the price of one you know single sig setup for from some of these devices you know um and yeah man I, that's what i would do you know dope Most likely. so as a summary Arabagapped bitcoin computer is a device used to generate private keys offline and securely and it basically separates it's just a more intuitive term, right? Like if we're really looking at this for what it is and to put, to plug some terminology from a grassroots level so that people can actually understand like air gapped Bitcoin computer. It's so simple, right? The, the, the fact that the initials are ABC is just a bonus, but I think yeah. to I me, that that, I didn't realize that by the way, when I did it, like when like, I put it out there, I didn't realize that at all. Oh, cool. And and once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? Like hardware wallet no longer has the same appeal to me. Um, now I just got to switch my nomenclature when I'm talking to people about it. But I think the idea of air gap Bitcoin computers, I think that's a, that's a powerful term. Yeah, and, and you know what, and you know what caribou, listen, you know what caribou, listen to this, for example, people say, oh, but it's a signing device. And I go, yeah, which one do you do first? Generate your seed or sign a transaction from, you know, like you're mm. obviously you're generating yeah, well the said. seed first. You know, yeah. And, what are you signing and, it with? What are you What are you using to sign? Well, how do you create that? <laughs> yeah, and so you're 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 generating your seed first, right? And then from that seed, right, like you're you have a private key that was generated, and then from that private key, you have your public key set, right? Like that's literally the steps that it basically goes through, right? And yep. so, and then you're signing a transaction, and most people main function of of hey air gap bitcoin computer or bitcoin signing device or hardware wallet whatever you want to call it okay mm-hmm. their main function is to help them hodl carefully right. not spend no not spend if you want to spend there's a hundred million different ways to do it better you know you're, you're going to use your own lightning wallet or with your own node or whatever. That's how you spend. And there's less considerations too. Like if you're just spending, you're not keeping a huge amount of funds. You're right. not worried. You're not taking the same security precautions. So it's like almost a different um, ecosystem of, of understanding than cold storage. Cold storage, clearly cold storage is the most important one to know your shit because there's the most at stake if you fuck it up. And yeah, I think differentiating those two and saying, okay, a mobile wallet can be used for spending. There's lots out there. It doesn't really have to be that deep in terms of your security uh considerations except for not keeping too many too much funds on there but the cold storage part is where really that's where the energy and the effort should go because that's the one that has more at stake um and we got to get it right and we got to make sure that people don't get scared off right like when someone uses a ledger and if they're just kind of like if they're not act it's not that good of an experience i got a ledger just to see what it was all about it was a shit experience um and for the app and i can only imagine for the uninitiated person who gets their first physical device it would be an even worse experience because they don't even have context so i think starting and like you said it's like the start and the end the idea that things that used to be on the end that are most secure and and um open source are getting so easy to use that that might be the start now right there's no need to go to all the products because these things are so intuitive and easy to use and accessible that it's like we're just cutting off the shit end of the continuum and creating a new start because things are getting better Exactly. And the thing about the seed signer is that it'll actually take you through your entire education around this stuff without so much, 
you know, content. You know, when you buy a cold card, you're going to their website, you're going to their YouTube channel, and you got to watch a shitload of content. Really, you do. Yeah. When you when you have a seed signer and you built it yourself and you're using it and you're using trying to you know use all the features for the device you just bought just to see what they are, you start to really focus on the seed because when you turn that seed signer off, it wipes itself. So the seed is the focus. And these mm. other devices, they hold the private key for you preloaded on the device secured by a pin that you created. You know, let's say we keep all the code equal, for, for example. Let's say, okay, it's all vetted, it's all safe. Now we have to decide what is safer, safer in terms of the use of it all, right? And so right. I think having a device that has nothing on it with a pin that, like, you know, just trying to remember all these different secrets that you created yourself is stupid. That's the whole idea of the 24 word. BIP39 was created to avoid some of those things, the mm -hmm. user error, right? And creating passwords. And then, so you, you basically like, okay, we're using BIP39 as a standard because it's easy to recover, but you're not using BIP39 to its fullest extent until SeedSigner came along was like, wait, like we can have a stateless device that's really easy to use for everyone. And so I think like, like you said, it's the main thing that you're storing. That's that's the your focus. Like, yeah. And I think AirGap Bitcoin computer just portrays it a little bit better than signing device. And people are like, oh, like, you know, you're nitpicking. And I'm like, first of all, I use the, I, you can call it whatever you want. I really don't give a fuck. Right. Um, but what I'm using the experience to do is, is to educate people on what it is. Because, you know, when I tweet, I don't tweet, even if it's at you, it's, it's for everyone. You know, that's yep. why I'm doing it on a public forum, unless I would just DM you, right? And so, you know, we talk about this stuff and we, we think that it doesn't matter so much. And like, oh, but what are normies or what are the uninitiated going to think? They don't know what air gapped is. And I'm like, they don't know what any of this shit is. But you know, you don't tell somebody when you sell them a pen, okay, that it's pen fluid, <laughs> signing fluid. No, it's an ink <laughs> fucking cartridge. And then you have your pen. You know what right. I mean? So there's yeah. the seed and then there's the signer, <laughs> you know? And so you can also take your seed that you generated on the seed signer and you use the cold card with that seed. You don't need to use the seed signer to sign. Right. You could sign with the cold card. You could say, okay, I want to generate my seeds with this stuff because it's just so much easier, but I actually just want to sign with the cold card because that's like, I want to use the SD card. Well, you could totally do that. Yeah. So really what you're doing is, is creating a delineation between seed creation and signing. Right. Yes. And, and yes. obviously a device can do both, but, but the seed creation um, is so much more important than just using that seed to sign something. And so that's really, and, and I think the whole idea that, okay, if, yes, it might be a little bit more mental effort to understand things. If you go the air gap Bitcoin computer route, but guess what? Having someone have a deeper relationship from the very beginning to take ownership of the, of the, of their Bitcoin, if they're going to be putting a lot of their wealth into it, is probably a better start anyway. Like I would have preferred oh, yeah. to have started with something like that than have gone through all the shit wallet phase because it just, it's like wasted energy, right? So like just, you're going to have to come to here eventually if you're putting enough of your wealth in Bitcoin, just start there and develop a more robust beginning understanding. I definitely wish I would have done that in hindsight. Oh yeah. And, and you just go through that down the line. Like I, okay, I get a cold card and I start using it and I'm on BTC sessions, YouTube or whatever, you know, Bitcoiner.guide or, you know, whatever these guys are putting out all this content, you still kind of, you know, most of my friends that I've gotten a cold card for, like, um, and when I say most, I just mean like most of my recent friends. Cause like, 
some of the people that I got to into cold car definitely bought like a good number of them mm-hmm. for like a multi-sig that they wanted like separate devices for and like all this shit. Um, yeah, that's what's crazy, right? Like if you want to build a multi-sig out with like state held devices, like you're going to have to buy a few of them, you know, yeah. to, make it, to make it reasonable. Yeah, they're definitely not cheap. And yeah. um, I think like, like I, I just love the idea that like everyone can decide what they want to use, but we actually like, if you start telling people that it's a signing device, they're not going to be focused on the seed creation. They're going to be focused on the transaction. Right. And so like, like you said, just now the focus shifting when I just started, you know, it was just, I was just happy to get it working when I first started. You know what I mean? And so I still think like the easiest device to use for anyone that's being onboarded is the seed signer and it also has the most vibrant like community around it so like when you go and ask a question in the telegram or on twitter like you're gonna get like (laughs) a different response like when you ask about the cult card they're just gonna send you to btc sessions youtube and i think that's fine and all like don't get me wrong like i that's like invaluable to me in the past you know um i just think that there's a better starting point and it's like I honestly do think it's, it's the seed signer. Like it's the best starting point for anyone because, you know, they get to understand the trade-offs, you know, you could start with the seed signer and end with the cold card still. Like, I don't care what you do. You know, it's up to you. That's the whole idea of Bitcoin that it's up to me and you to do what we want to do. But I think if you started with the seed signer, you'd understand everything faster seeds, how to treat them, uh, like how to how, all the different ways of PSBT to 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 do a transaction to 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 sign a PSBT. You know, um, I don't think there's one way to skin a cat, but I definitely think that you should like learn the trade-offs of like DIY versus non-DIY devices. Right, building it from generic hardware versus buying a prepackaged device, uh, uh, verifying the device upon startup. Like you know, a lot of my friends who are not nerds at all, who a lot of people would even consider some of them to be dumb, are asking some of the best questions when you bring this shit up. You know, they say, "Hey, like, how do I know that when I order this device, this guy didn't fuck with it?" I'm like, "You don't. <laughs> you just don't. Like, that's the that's the question, right?" Yeah. And so they go, "Oh, I want to build my own device." right? Like they say, I don't push them anywhere. Really. Like people think I'm like shilling this, shilling, like I'm not, I don't, I only push people to Bitcoin core and, and the Spectre wallet. Cause I think like, that's like the point of least mistakes, you know, that gotcha. you're going to make. Right. Cause there's only a few buttons you got to click to get the whole thing set up. So. Very yeah. cool, man. I think the biggest thing I took from this is the delineation between seed creation and the act of signing. And I'm going to get on, I'm going to get a seed, seed signer and mess around with it myself because I think it sounds like it's a freaking cheat code to, to developing a deeper understanding of how to securely generate a seed. So I'm, uh, facts. you know, it's like Be- facts. the more, it's like the convenience and uh, security trade-off, right? Like convenience, you can buy an off-the-shelf product, but you're taking a lot of risk accepting and trusting that that thing hasn't been messed with um, versus taking the security route and just like taking more responsibility from the get-go and developing a deeper understanding is going to serve you so well in future. So it's really just a matter of making sure, like you said, like we're not here to convince anyone of doing anything, but if we can, this is what it is in the Bitcoin ecosystem. It's a pass down of information, right? Honest people open sourcing their learning path and their understanding so that everyone else can start from a better place than what, what we started at. That's what it's all about. And I think it's uh it's a, it's a pretty badass community because of that. So hell yeah. Like imagine you talk to somebody and you start telling them about self custody stuff and they, they start feeling self-conscious about their setup and they start to feel insecure all of a sudden. 
dude, that's called a meritocracy. That's called, you know, a, a vibrant community, right? Yeah. Like, like I said a couple of things and people are like, oh, shit, I got to rethink my setup. Yeah. And it's like rethinking your setup to the degree that we're talking about will only make it more secure because if you go for a multi-sig right away, like no fucking chance you should be doing that unless it's like you're fully testing it. You know, you know what you're doing. Like, you know, you know how careful it took me. I think like, I think it took me like six months to finalize my multi-sig. Like, that's a long fucking time, you know, yeah. but I, I wasn't trying to rush through it. I was like, only when I had like a good mental state, like clear time and nobody around those are all variables right yeah. uh i'm like generating like secrets you know what i mean like that takes time because i'm also like transcribing it into steel plates and you know all this shit right so yeah it deserve. i mean it deserves the time and i think some people got to get burned to to realize that there needs to be an attention to detail and so be it but i think um like I said, like return on investment of time spent understanding how to securely self custody your Bitcoin is, I don't know if there's anything else more valuable, uh, considering the fact that most people that get into Bitcoin, if they follow their line of inquiry and actually want to learn about it, will inevitably end up putting a shitload of their energy, life energy into this. And to be able to self custody your life energy is like a very empowering tool and freeing tool, but it requires responsibility. And so, you know, I'm trying to motivate more people to take more responsibility from the very beginning, not to intimidate them, but just to ex hopefully contextualize and express the importance of it um, and let them know that it's, a, you know, if you take it one step at a time and take a low time preference approach to it, where it's like just, you know, like when people get anxiety about their security strategy, you know what that is? It's an indicator you haven't spent enough time on your fucking security strategy and you, sh you should probably revisit it. And I'd rather you get anxious me by me talking to you about it than have things get wiped out and then be screwed. So it's yep. like, yeah, I appreciate you talking about that. I'm going to listen to this one again. And um, yeah, maybe in, I don't know, maybe in six months, we do another one to talk about what you're yeah, learning. And, I'm going to get my hands wet with Seed Signer. So yeah. And and the thing about Seed Signer right now is that it's difficult to get the components, right? Same with Spectre DIY, which I didn't mention, which I wanted to. Because I think if you're, if you're married to the single SIG and passphrase route, um, you could go Spectre DIY, like pretty pretty that's probably like even it's, it's a little bit more expensive but um it's an it's definitely an interesting device as well uh so spectre diy like is like uh it's the first stateless device that's actually like usable uh even before seed signer i'm pretty sure so okay um, i'll check that out as well I, I have that as well i'm just saying like uh it's good to to you know i think the hardest part about today's world is like knowing what to trust. And I think like, uh, if you're going to educate yourself, do it in the cheapest form, right? Like do it with the least cost to you. Like do not educate yourself if with like, don't pay extra unless you have to. Right. Yep. And so like what ends up happening, what ends up happening is people buy like expensive devices and don't learn anything. That's not good. Right. Mm. So. Yeah, exactly. And they think that by spending more, it gives them the, the, um, the right to not learn more because they spent more on it so it must be better but it's like a really uh there's no such thing flawed. as better in this space that's what we realized very fast right. there 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 is but then there isn't like it gets to a point where there isn't anymore there isn't mm -hmm. better there's just what works for shishi what works for caribou what works for you know what exactly. works it's all contextual know? yep cool dude well that was 55 minutes. Let's talk for 15 minutes about farming. And then I'd love to circle back and do another one on just farming because I think anytime brother, 
I think it's is really, you know, I've had an interest in growing food for a long time. And I really think people don't won't embrace the importance of being self-reliant with your food until the next 12. Like if we have this conversation 12 months from now, I think people to years will open up more because they'll see the true cost of supply chains and coordination breaking down um, with food availability. But, you know, I'd love to know just like an introduction of, you know, I guess, first of all, what area of the world you don't have to be, you can be as general as you want. What area of the world are you in? So I know what climate you're working with. Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Um, okay. Very cool. So I'm definitely have water over here. I definitely, um, what's your winter like, like what, is it a harsh winter? Are you growing winter long? So it's, it's not a harsh winter. Um, I didn't invest into a greenhouse until this upcoming, I'm investing one into one in this fall. Um, it's cool. a fall project of mine. Um, uh, hopefully I can get to it. Um, cause you know, <laughs> one thing when you start, you know, farming, like you have a to-do list and then it's like, ho- hopefully you get to it. You yeah. Know what I mean, and things you, know, you <laughs> like you allocate a certain amount of time. I automatically multiply that time by like three because it always takes way longer <laughs> than what you think. Yeah. And like, also like I set this up in a way where I'm not going to be stressed about it. I refuse yeah. to make this point, this a point of stress in my life where everything else can be right. Yes. Um, so that was my number one, like promise to myself that like, this is my, this is my chance to relax. No matter how hard I work, like I feel relaxed, not, Oh, now I'm like stressing out to like meet some sort of deadline. Right. And I think when you can farm in a lower time preference, you can, you can experiment more and it's less about your crop yields and all that stuff in day one. And it's more so like what's working for you and what's not. And I think it's the same thing that most people get bogged down on. They want to build Rome in a day. They want their garden to look like the Instagram post they saw or the YouTube video they saw, and they think they can do it within the first 12 months, right? right? And then they get bogged down and then they quit and they fail, right? Same with like, you know, you see people with their indoor plants, like, oh, I killed I killed a plant. Now I don't do this anymore. And I'm like, listen, like, why don't you just try again, but try exactly. something different? Yeah. What'd you, you know? learn from it? And if they don't say anything, it's like, well, you weren't paying attention enough. Yeah. You don't care enough, right? And so most people thought I was crazy, by the way thought I was crazy. Cause like I shunned some of the best, you know, jobs you could get out of college and finance in different areas of the world. And like, I said no to all that shit with no money too. It's not like, Oh yeah, I'm sitting there with like a bank account full and denying jobs. No, I'm like anyone in my position probably would have taken it. You know what I mean? But I just didn't feel comfortable as a human being being forced to work inside. I just didn't understand the concept. I'm like, look like vitamin D, that's what we need to go get circadian rhythms. That's what we need to go like, you know, balance. Right. And me signing up to put myself in a cubicle is basically me enslaving myself. You know what I mean? And obviously like it's a means to an end sometimes, but most people never get out of that rat race. Right. And so I decided to never enter it. And I said, uh, I'd rather be living in the jungle somewhere with no money than living, uh, in a, in a cubicle somewhere. So so when did you start when did your farming journey start and i guess what made you like where did you get all this understanding from this idea that you didn't want to be in a cubicle vitamin d circadian rhythm i mean my background's in health and there's not a lot of people that know these terms or even can place them in their lives and know why they're important so where does all this come from and what made you want to start to um grow your own food and and what was your start like was it one garden bed did you like i'd love to know just like the impetus to do this and uh yeah Yeah. So I definitely like from a young age, definitely had like a different, I believe, like understanding of like uh, intuition, 
than most people around me. And, uh, like I used to not talk at, at all, just observation, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I realized like everyone had an opinion about what was healthy to eat, but when you look at their body composition, they don't look too great. So like what's going on? Like they have strong opinions on what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating, but they, they, they're fat, <laughs> you know, yeah. with all due respect. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, you can give them excuses. Oh, they don't work out. They don't do this. I'm like, all right, like a human who doesn't work out should still look okay. Like with the food that he's eating, if he's eating good food, like yeah, people, no it, it's this weird fallacy where if someone's overweight, they say more exercise, but it's like, how about what is actually causing you to store all the energy and what is the source of the energy? It's what you eat. It's not yeah. how much you work out. Like you can sit in a cubicle all day. You might have a fucked up low back and shitty hips and, and whatever, but you're not going to be obese unless you're putting a huge amount of energy and not just energy, but you know, I really view food as it's energy, but most of all, it's information. If you put the wrong information in your body, yes. your body's going to do weird things with the energy you're taking in. And um, well yeah, said. I, I, the misperception of being overweight, being an exercise problem is so silly and pervasive. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, I'm not going to tell people that that's not the part of the answer. Of course it is. It's part sure. of the answer, right? Like you should work out. It'll keep you healthier for longer, right? Yep. And, or just uh, move during the day. Even if you don't, like yeah. to me, working out is a supplement for not moving. So just move. Yes. Yes. Like if you, okay, like, yeah, like if you're walking everywhere or like, you know, my, like the only per- people not fat in my family is me and my two uncles. Mm-hmm. Okay. And people always say like, oh, but you've always been like fit. And I'm like, yeah, then maybe you should fucking listen to me. And they go, oh, <laughs> exactly. like that's a proof too- of work. <laughs> yeah. They go, oh, like you're too young still. I'm like, all right, whatever. So basically, you know, I'm on this journey of like eating healthier right? And I see people like shoving into their mouths, like all this disgusting shit. And then they're always, everyone's always asking me about what I'm eating. When I went full carnivore, people were asking me like what I was eating. When I went no meat at all, you know, uh, people asking me like what I was eating. And like, I'm just eating based on like where I am, what I can get and what I feel like eating. Right. And so, but I'm just trying to keep it into the whole foods regimen right like i'm not eating bags of packaged shit you know and like a bunch of you know i'm not eating in restaurants either right my friend calls me he's like yo like you know i don't know why i'm not healthy i'm like what percentage of your meals are in restaurants bro i don't care like you know like so yeah you know it's like people's relationship to food and nature was just broken you know and including my own you know i grew up in a city and um i'm lucky because my grandfather he was like a he, he, when he retired, he, he bought himself like a couple acres and raised his, his second set of kids over there. You know, it's so like my, my uncle's my age. Cause my, my grandfather stayed horny to like a, a late age, you know, and kept making kids. <laughs> nice. And so <laughs> also a sign of health PS. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I would good come swimmers and good testosterone equals you're taking care of your body and doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I would come visit him and he'd be like, help me on the farm. And my lazy ass would be like, nah, I'm going to stay inside and like play video games, you know, from, from the city, you know? And he's just like, man, fuck these kids, you know? And like, just like would walk out and do his thing. (laughs) And then one time I got arrested for like spraying a fire extinguisher in a, in a, in a mall in Miami or something like that. And I was like four, I was like 14 dude. And, uh, I had dumbass friends doing dumb things. Right. So they made me do community service. So my grandfather's like, why don't you just do it in my farm? And I was like, he's like, I'll sign the papers, but you actually got to come work. I was like, all right, let's do it. 
And so I'm like helping him prune the olive trees and like hopping on and off the tractor. We're stopping by little vines to like eat mulberries and eat different fruits like throughout the day to like keep ourselves fed. And it was that moment that really like struck me. Like that's like, you know, that was like, oh shit. Like, like I could do this. Like this is something I like to do. Like, cool. You know, and then from there, like I started growing marijuana, like uh, marijuana <laughs> started, started growing cannabis uh, when I was 18 and, in, in, uh, you know, in, in California. And that's not easy. Like people think you just grow a plant. Like I live in Canada. I have friends that grow <laughs> cannabis. I've grown a few plants. Like that shit is not easy. I mean, it can be easy, but you're going to go shit, bud. but I think people underestimate how much care and understanding and and attention you got to give a plant like that so that's uh yeah especially yeah especially when your whole you know livelihoods riding on it right like i'm 18 i'm no money i've spent every dollar i had to like do that and then you know you know okay you know you you you, i cropped my first crop really well because i was super into it right and i was like super care caring with it and you know when you don't have your own soil that's what you have to do right so like the, the weed plant that I grew with my soil over here, uh, I neglected the fuck out of it and didn't do shit to it. And it was amazing. So like, you know, it just depends what soil you have. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that all comes back to like, okay. So like, you know, you're into growing things or even if you're not like I wasn't, I just forced my, I literally forced myself to do this shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I realized that like, you know, the food is being sprayed with all this shit. And I'm like, you know, and, and, and farmers are mistreating animals and all these things. And so, you know, I went to, I wanted to go start like a, a health food spot. Um, when I say health food, I just mean like everything is clean. Like there's not yeah. going to be a bunch of seed oils in your food and a bunch of garbage. It's going to be like real whole foods from the top down in the menu, you know, yeah, and it's real gonna be like whatever. I, I think the delineation of just, you know, I think nutrition, nutritionism, the ideology of nutritionism has corrupted people's understanding of food. And so what, what people, what people call nutrition, they think is food, but food is totally different. Food is like, can be so simple, right? Like nature provides the shit that it creates, if done in alignment with the laws of nature is food. Everything else is a food like product that's engineered to make you think it's better than food but messes with your body and gives it misinformation constantly. And I think if we just focus on like food is what nature creates, the quality of the food can't be separated from the quality of the, of the process that grew that food. If we just stick to that and we just understand food and forget about all the nutrition programming that we've got, it can be so simple, but people just so much confusion out there. Yeah. And tons of confusion. Right. And I just wanted to cook food for people. Cause I was like, all right, like, I just want like, there wasn't much to it. Like my, I just wanted to get good ingredients from good places. That's it. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, I actually made an offer on a, on a restaurant space, super rundown. I told the guy, Hey, I'll renovate this whole thing for you. And I was going to do it myself, you know? Um, but you give me like, you know, free rent for this long and I'll put in the grease trap and like all this stuff that you need to put in to have like a restaurant, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the guy said no. And I was like, all right, you said no. All right, cool. Then I don't have a business to do. I don't have any other location that like I can afford. So I'm just going to go and work, uh, go volunteer on farms all around the world. And, you know, within six months, this guy calls me and says he accepts my offer. And I'm like, dude, like I'm in Spain in the mountains, like farming, like (laughs) I'm I'm good, you know, and I had, I had gotten rid of all of my expenses. I sold my car. I had, I got rid of all my expenses. I had a small business that made me a thousand bucks a month. 
that ran remotely. Uh, and so like I was living off of a thousand dollars a month, you know, um, and I was just working on different farms. So like, that's what I would do. I would accumulate some money working on the farms because they would feed me and house me. And then I would, and then after I probably learned a shitload, like the education piece there is invaluable. Well, that's why I went right. Cause I was like, all right, if I can't sell food, I want to grow food. And it was probably my calling anyways. Right. So and I felt that. So I just threw everything in a backpack and I lived out of a backpack for like quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, I just like would save up money on these farms to like travel and then I would go work. Right. And so like, I didn't have to have them pay me cause they were paying me in, 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 uh, like my, it was basically like my, my, it was free schooling for me, you know? Yeah. Your like expenses it was, and I, your food are paid. Yeah. I would have paid for that. Forget it. I would have paid to do all that stuff. When I look back, like I would have actually paid for that. Right. But that's not how this stuff works because like uh, basically like you only last like a month or two in every location. Right. Right. And so they want new volunteers and like people hungry. Like, you know, when you when you're there for a couple months, you start to get a little lazy in the the end of it, you know, (laughs) yeah, get a little comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just normal. Right. Like uh, when you're not getting paid to do something, you don't feel as responsible because you're like, no, I'm giving you like free labor, you know. Yeah. and dude, it was an interesting time. Like I come from the city again, like I'm not used to doing any of this shit. You know, I'm not used to living. I'm not used to also like going in between places with like a tent and a sleeping bag and like sometimes just putting it up there, you know, like dude, uh, good for you for embarking on that adventure. That's badasses. That's inspiring as fuck, actually. Yeah. I mean, the first night in Spain, I actually just me and a, two friends of mine, we just threw our sleeping bags like in the middle of the town because we we didn't realize that we came a day early. We, we didn't realize <laughs> And so we just slept like literally like homeless people, like on the street, you know, like it was pretty funny. Like, so like, yeah, there's definitely adventures to be had in this. in in, as you learn, man, you know, like whatever you're learning about, like, like make it fun. Like that's, and that's why I didn't want to go work at a a fucking cubicle. You asked me like motivation, like, dude, like I'm in Spain with my friends with not, no money, not a lot of money, but enough, you know, I'm eating like I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. Seems like a better option to me. Cool, dude. Well, instead of asking you about all the farming journeys and lessons that you've experienced, let's save that for another podcast. I'd love to reach out in May and do that because I'm, you know, out of selfish personal curiosity, I want to learn from people who are farming. I have a one acre piece of land and I've always done small things, but I'm doing an ambitious project this year. And like I just read the, I did a first pass on this book, Dirt Dirt to Soil by Gabe Brown and blew my mind about, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the science behind soil and the importance of soil um so he's the yeah. cow poop guy right um he talks about cow i don't know if he's known as the cow poop guy but he does talk about uh, cow poop a lot so it might yeah, be i think yeah. yeah i think i think i think he's like that's like his focus you know is that like that's where he's getting his most of right he's getting most of his fertilization from yes he gets yeah, yeah he says that all the time he's like i go and I, I do use fertilizer i just use it i use natural fertilizer provided by livestock instead of all the artificial shit exactly um, exactly so yeah he's the cow he's the he's a he's the livestock poop guy yeah of course uh that guy's awesome and yeah like you have to it's the same thing with the self-custody right like how are you going to make your compost right yeah. well try all the different methods and then adopt as many of them as make sense for your location right yeah. so like i personally like i only have two acres so like i can't have cow over here like it, it'll look brown like everything will just be like for the cow you know yeah and so like that's not good for me and like uh like but that's I a have cows, and you got to figure it out otherwise. Yeah, and I have cows three sixty. Like like all like my neighbors rotate their cows. Like I, I hear the cows from my window. You know what I mean? So, cool. um, if I wanted to cow manure, I can just go and ask. The thing that I'm how how I'm attacking that 
which is something we can definitely talk for hours about, but I'm attacking that in like, I'm using worm castings. I'm using wood chips that get delivered for free to the house. So, um, and I know that there, it just whole trees being cut up. There's nothing else being mixed in there. Right. And I don't have to worry about like, uh, somebody else, you know, uh, you know, injecting their cows with antibiotics or whatever, and then me getting that poop. And then, right. Like that's just one of the risks when you don't have your own cattle, right. right. Like you don't know exactly what's going on day to day there, yeah, you know, know your and, source. um, exactly. And so like horse manure and stuff like that is probably even better, you know, than, than cow manure in many ways. Um, and, and when I say better, it's, it's also like in many ways, I have to make that disclaimer because it's like, there's no such thing as better in a lot of these things, you know? Yeah. Um, there's just like having more, having, having all of it to your disposal is actually like the best. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess think it's most, more natural, like na in your context, it sounds like you're using more natural equals better than less natural, right? Like less natural being all these, you know, dewormers and vaccines and all these human applied chemicals versus natural is just like from nature right un, yes, so, un, unmanipulated so, so from nature means from nature that you can verify so right. like it's that's my real like so most farms that i've been on uh they have not the best that i've seen is that they make 50 percent of their compost hmm. um not more so i'm trying to make 100 percent of my own compost i haven't bought any yet to give you an example and i refuse to which means that i'm not growing as many things as i could because right. I don't have like the, like my resources are breaking down as we speak. Right. And so like, I'm just trying to accumulate so much of that, that it comes like a first in first out basis. Right. And so like, I'm probably at like around like a hundred thousand worms if I had to guess. So I'm hoping that like the red wigglers grow to like a million cool. uh, and then 2 million and then 5 million. Army. Exactly. And that those worm castings for me uh, are worth, there it's gold man like it's just yeah, the best black gold. you know yeah that's what i call it i call it black gold that's what i call it Powerful, so dude. but yeah man we can talk about this for forever so we'll save it for me <laughs> yeah let's do let's do a podcast just dedicated to farming i, I fucked let's that up it. i was like we could talk half half abcs half farming but it's like i could talk about farming for a couple hours straight it's better to come in with a fresh brain and just do that focus i think it's a topic that probably appeals um more and more to bitcoiners especially you know bitcoiners tend to be have a much better pulse on on world systems and if you're you know unless you live under a fucking rock you understand that food is going to be a struggle in, in cities that rely on external food input it always so, has been it always yeah. has been look at the yeah, cancer yeah. rates look at all that stuff like that's quite obvious look at the sickly rates you know look at the the immune systems just to look at people's look at people's composition look at people's bodies just look like, at people in general like you yeah, can see it yeah yeah. Um, I mean, dude, I walk around the Bitcoin conference and like, I see a lot of people not respect, they, they respect seed oils, a lot of Bitcoiners. So like, you know, <laughs> like, they don't even know, they don't even know seed oils are something to avoid. That's the problem, right? Or they don't care. And they're yeah. big, you know, I'm just saying like, there's some t degree of like, uh, yeah, I think this is super important. We should definitely dedicate like a full, okay. full time to it. I'm down. Shishi, thank you for joining us at the Bitcoin store to everyone listening. Thanks for being here. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you want to support the project, you can go to bitcoinstore.com, send some stats to the QR code there. That's what we use to maintain things and hopefully get more contributors over time who we can pay value for value for their work. Um, so Shishi, thanks a lot, brother. I really enjoyed the conversation. I look forward to the next one, continuing the conversation about farming. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all later. Ciao for now. Hell yeah.